and welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking News, brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment Service for the Blind, but it, and it includes anyone with a visual impairment who is unable to read a newspaper. We have the permission of the Worcester News and we're recording on Thursday the 19th of July. I'm Elizabeth Hill and this week's team comprises uh, Duncan Wynne and round the table is Judith Doherty, Audrey Luxton and Mark McLeod. Uh, clerical work has been done by Carol Hartle and I think Sue Childs and the copying is going to be done by, I think, Judith, Audrey and Duncan. <laughs> so we thank them. May I extend a very warm welcome and warm <laughs> on a very warm evening um, to any new listeners and hope you enjoy our offering. You'll hear some emergency telephone numbers or useful telephone numbers, what's on in the local theatres, uh, we'll save the obituaries to the end and the thought for the week and we'll finish with the birthday book and please tell us yours if we don't already have it. We'll have the past week's headlines, the sunrise and sunset times, the latter now is earlier than it has been and then we'll have stories of interest from the past week. The service is quite free to users. We are a registered charity. If anyone wishes, however, to make a donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, WYLDS in Worcester, WR51DA. And we do thank any of you who have um, donated to the service. Would you like to hear from you? Any suggestions for improvements or any complaints? Put a message in your wallet or leave a message on the answer phone 01905 Now I have a couple of important messages and by the way please be patient we're not here every day so your message will be picked up but it might be um, anything up to a week. Um, we uh, have the Talking Books Library, Phyllis fiction, thrillers and romance and they're on tape or CD. They are not actually on USB sticks at the moment. We can provide a list of books in the library in large print, hard copy or tape. Please leave a message on the answer phone or put a note in your wallet. Now you have heard this uh, before um, probably a couple of weeks ago um, but this is about general data protection regulations. So we are repeating it just for four weeks. Please listen carefully. On the 25th of May 2018, GDPR, General Data Protection Regulations, became law. It means that everyone has to give permission for any business or organisation to hold information about you, such as your name, address and telephone number. In order for Worcester Talking News to send you the weekly recordings, the books or the magazine, we do need to hold your name, address and telephone number. Those details are held very securely and are only available to the administrator who receives and dispatches your wallet. If you are happy with this arrangement, you do not need to do anything. However, if you do not wish us to hold your information, please tell us. Either leave a telephone message, 01905 or put a note on your wallet. 
This will, however, mean that you will no longer be able to receive recordings and if you have any of our equipment, we will need to collect it. Should you have any questions, please contact us as above. It may also be helpful to let someone else listen to this announcement if you are unsure what it means or whether you have to do anything. But we do hope you continue to enjoy our recordings, but we are required by law to make this information available to you. Mm. End of announcements. <laughs> I'm going to hand over to um, Audrey now for the uh, telephone numbers. Sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll repeat our number here in Wilds Lane. 01905 767 Live, where you can book for various events, is 01905 611427 For the Malvern Theatres the number is 01684892277 If you want to contact the police for a non-emergency the number is 101 Crime Stoppers are 0800 555 111 The Worcester Hub is 01905 765 765. The Norbury Theatre at Droitwich is 01905 770 NHS Direct is 111. Out of Hours Medical Assistance is 0300 3211. If you want to contact the Infirmary Museum, it's 01905 Thank you, Audrey. Um, and I think now we actually, I'm going to ask you to read the, um, no, I'm going to ask Mark, beg your pardon, to read the. Um, events that are on in the local theatres, both here and in Malvern, and there are quite a few events in the Infirmary and George Marshall Museum that uh, Mark can tell us about too. If we start with Festival Theatre in Malvern, from the Tuesday 17th to Saturday the 21st of July is the case of The Frightened Lady by Edgar Wallace. In the uh, Huntington Hall on Saturday the 21st, there is Two Pianos, a rock and roll experience. And Tuesday 31st July until Saturday the 4th of August at the Swan Theatre is Seven Brides for Seven Brothers by WODYS. And still at... That's Worcester. Uh, Worcester, this is the Repertory Company, prevents the Hound of the Baskervilles, and that is at the Commandery Gardens from 10th of July until 22nd of July. And then there are these events at the Infirmary and George Marshall Medical Museum, which uh, we've so quite a lot. Thank you. 
Yes, so the 26th of July at the George Marshall Medical Museum is a public talk about Florence Nightingale and the Malvern Cold Water Cure. That is £5.50 for entry. And on Saturday 4th of August, there is a free family fun day at the George Marshall Medical Museum from 11am until 2pm. The Florence Nightingale talk sorry, is Thursday 26th July at 6.30pm. And at the infirmary on Monday the 30th of July, the Tuesday the 31st of July, Wednesday the 1st of August and Thursday the 2nd of August from 10am until 2pm is Summer Surgeon's Circus. Um, activities, learning on hands on surgical exercises for all the family. Thank you, Mark. Um, Audrey, um, I'm going to ask now to read the headlines from the last week and Sunrise and Sunset Times. Thank you. The headlines. Monster Dad attacked his children. Nearly gone. Tunnel is a gateway for crimes. Pack up and leave. Boys badly hurt in bike accidents. Man admits damaging hospice giraffe. And sunrise is at 5.10. And sunset is now at 9.19. Thank you. Um, Judith, I'm going to ask you to read the first headline story, please. Thank, Thank you. <coughs> a monster dad from Worcester throttled his pregnant partner and repeatedly attacked his seven-year-old daughter and son. The 26-year-old, who cannot be named for legal reasons, had previously admitted two counts of child cruelty and one of controlling or coercive behaviour when he appeared before Judge Robert Dukes QC for sentencing. The assaults against his daughter took place between December 17, 2010 and February 2 this year. The assaults on his son between February 20, 2014 and February 2 this year. The Worcester News has previously reported on the case, but new details have emerged about the extent of the physical abuse the father of three had, in, three had inflicted on his partner, eldest daughter and son, who is aged four. The dad, who hung his head in the dock, described himself to the probation service as a monster. Nicholas Smith, prosecuting, said the defendant had grabbed his partner around the neck when she was pregnant with his first child, the girl he later physically assaulted. Mr Smith said, he began to be verbally and physically aggressive when she, his daughter, was three to four years of age. Mr Smith described how the dad accused his partner of getting him riled up. The abuse he inflicted on his daughter included tapping or prodding her very hard on the side of the head and pushing her harder than was necessary. When his daughter was aged six, he slapped her in the face and told her she would be adopted. Mr Smith said he even threatened to kill her in her sleep. He would pull her ears, saying she would not listen. 
His partner told police she felt scared to tell anyone about his behaviour. She said there were no visible physical injuries or marks to the children as a result of the defendant's actions. However, his partner reported having marks on her wrists and neck from assaults upon her and said his actions had caused her to self-harm using razor blades. She said in a statement she was left feeling worthless and that it was all her fault. She would be afraid to do housework because it would wake him up and he would get into a temper, said Mr Smith. During one incident, his partner heard their daughter in pain in the bathroom. She told her mother that the defendant had punched her in the stomach. Social services at one stage visited the family's Worcester home, where they became aware of the strong smell, finding flies coming out of the property, soiled nappies, leftover takeaway food and wet beds, conditions assessed as being unsuitable for children. The defendant was arrested on February the 7th this year. He told police he suffered from anxiety and depression, but agreed he had been physically and verbally aggressive. He accepted punching his daughter in the stomach, but said that the threats to kill her were a game, and he didn't mean it. The couple are now living apart, but are working with social services with a view to putting their family back together again. <clears throat> Jason Aris, defending, said the case clearly crossed the custody threshold. He said, although there were a series of assaults, none of those assaults amounted to actual bodily harm. On the other hand, I readily concede there is a protracted period of time over which this happens. He added, it's always helpful when a client describes himself to the probation service as a monster. This shows real insight into the offences. He's clearly a very troubled individual. Mr Aris also said his client was extremely sorry, that there was clear remorse and that he had entered his guilty plea at the earliest available opportunity accepting that his behaviour had been appalling. The judge adjourned sentence until f next Friday to get a report from social services. However, he warned the defendant that this was not to be taken as any indication of what the sentence would be. He said, a custodial sentence must follow. The issue is whether it can be suspended. Only one caravan remained on a controversial illegal travel traveller site after a council crackdown as the Worcester News went to print on Friday the 13th. Following legal action by Worcester City Council, all but one of the caravans pitched on King George V playing fields off Ash Avenue Brickfields left the site. The travellers had moved onto the site on Wednesday, July the 4th, with 10 caravans settling, setting up camp there. On Monday of last week, Worcester City Council served the travellers with a notice to leave immediately, with support from West Mercian Police. On Friday, July the 13th, 
the city council's, council's civil enforcement officers served papers informing the occupants of the last remaining caravan that they were set to take court action. The High Court was due to hear the case on Tuesday, July the 17th, and if it agreed to the eviction order, the travellers would have 48 hours to leave or face action. Dumped rubbish had been mounting up on the, flaying, on the playing fields since the travellers arrived, with a, with a number of residents con contacting the Worcester News to complain. Commenting on the rubbish, a City Council spokesman said, Our officers have been visiting the site on a regular basis. Earlier in the week they said that the waste wasn't much, but they didn't say there was none. She added, the officers haven't directly received any complaints from the community. Speaking on Monday, Marie, one of the travellers, said, We always leave the place as we found it. This is our lifestyle. This is what we like to do. All our neighbours have been really nice. The other day, some of them sat out and had a drink with us. A Brickfields Road resident said, I can't believe nothing has been done about the mess. It's clearly a health hazard, or the fact that nothing has been done to prevent them from gaining access to the fields after last year and the cost to the taxpayer to clear it up. I walk my dogs over there and it stinks. Posting on the Worcester News Facebook page, residents criticised the travellers. Brian Jones said, They always leave heaps of rubbish behind. They do not pay for the clear-up. Joan Beaumont's June Beaumont added, If only they took rubbish with them, people wouldn't complain as much. Rosie Furlong said, The pitches have been trashed and the clean-up is going to cost thousands. I don't think people would mind if they cleaned up after themselves. Why all the destruction and mess? Jill Ball added, Why are they above the law? The police should forcibly remove them from the park and make them take their rubbish with them. If you don't pay your council tax, you don't get to use the facilities. A tunnel under a railway line has become the gateway for an unprecedented crime wave and needs to be better policed or blocked off completely, says a disgruntled resident. Known locally as Devil's Archway Tunnel, the trouble hotspot runs between Suffolk Drive and Worcester Trading Estate in Blackpool. Mark Watson, who lives 50 yards from the tunnel uh, entrance on Suffolk Drive, says burglaries and vandalism are increasing in the area, with the culprits then escaping down the narrow tunnel. I want the authorities to block it or for it to be policed more closely, not to leave it to be misused for crime, he said. They are ignoring it, but something needs to be done. I understand there are budget cuts, but I feel the authorities are ignoring the problem. They know it's there, but they're, not, but they're doing nothing about it. Mr Watson, who has lived on the street for six years, claims he was woken up on Wednesday morning as youths set a motorbike alight before escaping down the tunnel. I was woken up about 6.45am and heard two people discussing about how they found the motorbike abandoned, and next thing I knew, they ran off and it had been set alight, he said. 
Earlier this month, a thief was caught on Mr Watson's CCTV stealing his wheelie bins before also making off into the tunnel, he said. Mr Watson, 50, who lives with his son, believes the offenders are often youths on motorbikes which can easily fit down the tunnel. Police are frustrated because they'll chase them on their bikes, but as soon as they go through the tunnel, they've lost them and they wouldn't find them again. They're out on the trading estate then and away. He said over the last few years, there have been houses burgled, roof tiles smashed, all sorts of shenanigans. We were burgled once this time last year. They stole the computer. There's been a spate of burglaries around the area. It's becoming a real nuisance. Mr Watson said businesses on the trading estate are also fed up after countless problems, including cars being broken into. He said there's no legitimate use for Devil's Archway that late at night, though dog walkers do use the tunnel in the day. Anyone using it at 3am is up to no good, he said. In March, police warned that any off-road bikes being ridden illegally in Warrenden villages would be seized and crushed. Residents had reported how they had spotted young motorcyclists riding at speed around the streets. Mr Watson believes many of those youngsters are now frequenting Purdiswell and Blackpool instead. City Councillor Gareth Jones of St Stephen's Ward has voiced his support for Mr Watson's campaign. I tried to get the tunnel closed myself 20 years ago because it's an ideal escape route for burglars, he said. I'd like to see it closed. It can be an issue, but it is a public right of way from what I understand. Councillor Jones said that more than 10 years ago, a thief working on the trading estate was using the tunnel to burgle nearby houses during his tea breaks at 3am. He hit three or four houses, but they eventually caught him because he left his footprint on a piece of paper. It's a bone of contention because of the motorbikes going in there. We had a barrier installed some years ago, which meant people had to get off their bikes to weave through it. However, the barriers are no longer in place. He said one idea would be to have a gate put in and locked overnight. Nobody from West Mercia Police and Network Rail was available to comment on the issue. A tent town where homeless people were living has been broken up by police after reports of a stabbing, which had apparently led to some rough sleepers arming themselves. Having obtained a dispersal order for the tent town, which lies along the towpath off New Road and across the River Severn from Diglas House Hotel, ten officers descended on the camp yesterday morning. That was... um, uh, Yeah, that was Monday morning. Um... Led by Sergeant Carl Jones and accompanied by three Mags Day Centre Outreach and Transition staff, MOAT, the officers removed around half a dozen rough sleepers from 7am. Members of the camp were told to remove their belongings within an hour and were warned that if they returned within 48 hours, they risked, risked being arrested. 
Sergeant Jones said the action was the result of weeks of communication between police, mags, the city council and those at the camp itself with the message, enough is enough. The land is privately owned by Worcester Cathedral. However, the sergeant said it is open to the public for clear and ready access, meaning a lot of our legislation kicks in and we can do this today. The cathedral is aware that we're doing it, but it's as much about risk to the individuals living down here as it is to anybody else, Sergeant Jones continued. For example, we have a report that someone may have been stabbed last week. In fact, we are pretty sure someone was. <clears throat> but <clears throat> as it as is so often the case, people don't want to talk to the police about it. So we're concerned about that. He said, we've heard from various sources that, because of that, maybe some of the rough sleepers are arming themselves for protection. Obviously, that's an offence. You can understand why they might do that, but it's an offence. <clears throat> Police searched all members of the camp during the dispersal, but did not find anything they could be certain was being used as a weapon. However, some of the rough sleepers had already left the camp, having been given prior warning the raid was taking place. On top of this, paramedics have also been called to the site over the last week to reports of people struggling with legal highs such as mamba, he said. It's very difficult for paramedics to deal with, said Sergeant Jones. Paramedic, pa paramedics can't get through that gate and they have instead got to walk 250 yards to someone that might be seriously ill. He said members of the council's cleaner and greener team have been down to the site to ensure that there are no sanitary issues and they've been threatened, abused and told to go away. With the path used by dog walkers, cyclists, joggers and people going to work every day, Sergeant Jones said removing the camp means we can now make sure there is no risk. He said his team carry out dispersal orders in the city centre on a regular basis, but this one didn't fit for a long time. The campers were trespassing, but Sergeant Jones said that it is not a police matter. It was just a group <coughs> excuse me, a group of rough sleepers who weren't doing anything to break the criminal law, as it were, he explained. Initially, the police had been working with their partners to ensure members of the camp were getting support to get housed so that the camp would disband naturally. But, Sergeant Jones continued, others have joined the group and there's been more antisocial behaviour and more criminal action. Asked where police expect the camp members to go, the sergeant said some have already got housing available for them, while others are part of an ongoing process. There is a gap for some people, undoubtedly that's why we're all trying to work it together. Homelessness is not a police issue. It's when you get these additional issues when it becomes a police issue, he said. Jonathan Sutton, who runs St Paul's Hostel, 
was also at the site on Monday morning and said, What's the solution? The poor police are caught between a rock and a hard place. Referring to Diglis House Hotel, which has a full view of the camp, he said, It's a real contrast when you see one of the nicest hotels around across there. You can imagine people having a breakfast in there with orange juice. Then you've got this. It's the way of the world. He continued, There's more to it than homelessness, but it should motivate us to redouble our efforts and find solution for this. There are complicated stories. It's more than about what the public just see. It's much more than people living in a tent. There's more gone on with their lives than has led them to be here. The unravelling of that is the complicated and the hard bit for everybody. One member of the camp, who did not wish to be named, said he is currently on probation for a drug-related offence and has lost touch with most of his family, many of whom are in prison. The man, aged 24, is a father and said he worries with the break-up of the camp he'll end up back in jail. I'll be back in jail within three weeks, I bet you, he said. Coming out of prison, they don't give you somewhere straight away. You're stuck in the same situation. It's a revolving door. He said he will continue to look for a job and potentially move back to Birmingham, where he originally is from, to stay away from various bad influences in Worcester. Another homeless man said he was upset The camp was being shut down, but admitted there were some who often frequented the site that were causing issues. Sergeant Jones said he was aware of one homeless man who is known to rob others, other rough sleepers, for their money. It never gets reported, but we know, he added. Mr Sutton said, some people are just not in the right mindset to want to get the help they need. It's not a choice to be homeless. Nobody wants that choice. Flora McNerney, a MAGS outreach worker, said her and her team have been coming down to the camp daily to meet with the rough sleepers, often alongside PCSOs, and will continue to offer support at the day centre. We will continue to do what we have been doing, which is giving them regular counselling, giving them pathway plans and support that they need to access accommodation because it's not easy to get them into a house, she she said. All of us coming down rather than just one of us is better. That group relationship where they know the police aren't here to give them hassle is the best solution. They knew that this was going to happen last week. They had a heads up, she said. Two boys were badly hurt within 24 hours of each other after coming off their bikes on a steep slope at a city nature reserve. One boy was left unconscious after his crash and had to be anaesthetised by paramedics before being rushed by emergency ambulance to a paediatric major trauma centre. His age has not been revealed, but it is believed that he was younger than 13. 
He suffered a head injury after coming down the slope 50 yards into the woods at Perrywood Local Nature Reserve at about 3.30pm on Monday afternoon, that's of last week. After this, after this crash was... Re- Pardon me. After this crash was revealed, another mum spoke to the Worcester News to tell us her son was also hurt in the same location almost exactly 24 hours earlier. West Midlands Ambulance Service confirmed the boy aged 12 also came off his bike at the Nature Reserve off Redfern Avenue on Sunday afternoon at about 3.25pm. Paramedics said he also suffered a number of seriously serious injuries and was also taken by ambulance to Birmingham Children's Hospital. The current condition of the other boy is not known. In the wake of the crashes, a West Midlands Ambulance Service spokesman stressed the importance of cyclists wearing helmets. The spokesman said the boy on Monday suffered a head injury. After it being assessed by the doctor, the decision was taken to anaesthetise the youngster before he was taken on blue lights by road to Birmingham Children's Hospital. While it is clearly a matter for the individual or their parent or guardian, our view is that a cycle helmet can help to prevent injury and could have resulted in a different outcome in this case. Police say they have interviewed a man after he admitted knocking over one of the Worcester Stand's tall giraffe sculptures. Shocked eyewitnesses watched as a man charged at the giraffe outside the Pret Café on the cross and knocked over the sculpture on Tuesday evening. The giraffe, called Gregory, had to be removed after the attack and a photo of a man said to be the culprit has been shared on social media. West Mercia Police said criminal damage was reported at 9.17pm on July 17th. The damage is believed to have been caused at around 8.30pm in St Swithin Street. A male has admitted damaging an ornamental giraffe at the location. The giraffe has been removed and the area made safe. The male is due to be interviewed later. A 21-year-old woman told the Worcester News how she witnessed the vandalism taking place. She said, I saw a man take a run up to the giraffe and he used his shoulder to push it to the floor. He then walked off towards the Crown pub and started kicking things down there. A woman who also saw chased after him and convinced him to come back to the giraffe. When he came back, he was very drunk and was told it was for charity and what he had done was very disrespectful. He apologised and said he would stand holding the giraffe up until someone came to fix it. Another person posted on social media that they saw the man trying to climb onto the giraffe the same night. The giraffe is part of the Worcester Stands Tall Art Trail, a project raising money for St Richard's Hospice's Build 2020 appeal to expand its premises in order to care for more people. Sarah Matthews, the project manager for Worcester Stands Tall, was showing her friend around the art trail in the city when she had a call to say one of the giraffes had been damaged. It's just so frustrating, she told the Worcester News, The amount of time and effort and money that has gone into this. 
It took the artist three weeks to paint the giraffe. All that effort and it's gone within a matter of seconds. It's damaged just like that. She said a drunk man in his forties ran straight into it and knocked it off its plinth onto the ground. The giraffe is one of 30 towering sculptures located in the city as part of the art trail. And it is a very interesting trail if you um, want to have a go. And there's lots of... Uh, New College Worcester have also done a very tactile small giraffe. So um, do have a, have a go. Um, that concludes the headline stories. And uh, I'm going to ask Judith to start off with one of the interesting ones from the last week. Thank you. Uh, a homeless man has been offered a job after a teenager started a campaign on Facebook. Sophie Croft, 15, came across Andy Lane sitting outside Argos in the shambles and after chatting for nearly an hour, decided to help get him back on his feet. She posted a plea on Facebook and was delighted when Mr Lane landed a new job as a tree surgeon starting uh, Monday, July the 9th. He told me the devastating story as to why he had been forced onto the streets, she said, after she came across him. Miss Croft had initially given Mr Lane the rest of a milkshake she was drinking. She said, I have never in my life seen anybody's face light up like this man's. While I sat with him, I saw the disgusting looks of the public who were giving him... Um, and asked him how it had made him feel. He told, he told her that he doesn't feel a part of society and it makes him upset, but he doesn't like to say it. It truly broke my heart to see the looks he was getting, she added. Later that day, Miss Croft from Worcester, but who now lives in Malvern, posted on Facebook asking if anyone needed any painting and decorating jobs doing. Mr Lane had told her he had been working as a mechanic before being made redundant two years ago and then losing his flat. Following Miss Croft's post, Mr Lane was offered a day's work painting the shop front of Worcester's Learning Zone on New Street by owner Caris Thurlby. Miss Thurlby described him as a courteous and professional man and added, When I posted, saying... I had booked him, a few people were understandably concerned that I didn't know his background. But I felt that, after talking to him, that I wanted to give him a chance. Miss Thelby said she is more and more concerned about homeless people in Worcester. She added, It was wonderful to be able to support someone by paying them a fair price for their skills. I think it demonstrates that homeless people are willing to work hard despite the fact they've fallen on hard times. An army of budding cricketers descended on the high street on Monday afternoon to take part in the annual Worcester Street Sixes tournament. With eight teams of six playing all the way down the high street, residents couldn't help but notice the event, which raises money for courses that help children in the county. This was the third year the event had taken place in Worcester, with last year's tournament raising nearly £4,000 and helping 200 children from deprived backgrounds become interested and involved in cricket. Teams included event sponsors, Worcestershire Ambassadors, 
Modus, Ringway, Fortis Living, Sanctuary Housing Group, Sanlam, Hereford Worcester Chamber of Commerce, Worcester City Council, Amco, To Folk, Bishop Fleming and Harrison Clark Wickerbys, who were all vying to be crowned 2018 champions. Kevin Powell, Vice Chairman of the Worcestershire Ambassadors, the main sponsor for the event, said one of the aspects of Street Sixes that he felt was most important was the message that you can play cricket anywhere and don't need a trimmed lawn or whites or a sports pavilion. Tom Hill, Cricket Development Director and Event Organiser, said, We're extremely grateful for the support of the local business community in helping us to make a difference. Since Street Sixes started three years ago, we've been able to get four hubs set up, all supporting over 200 children involved in the Lord's Lord's Taverners Wickets programme. This is cricket, but not as you know it. And the fun competition enables everyone, regardless of age or ability or gender, to take part. Police officers are patrolling around a railway tunnel as often as possible after concerns were raised that it was being used as a rat run by criminals. Known locally as Devil's Archway, the tunnel runs between Suffolk Drive and Worcester Trading Estate in Blackpool. Mark Watson, who lives a few yards from the tunnel entrance on Suffolk Drive, says burglaries and vandalism are increasing in the area, with the culprits then escaping down the narrow tunnel. He said, I want the authorities to block it or for it to be policed more closely, not to leave it to be misused for crime. The Worcester News reported the issue, with a West Mercia police spokeswoman confirming that officers were aware of concerns about anti-social behaviour. However, she added, we rarely get reports of incidents in this area. PCSO Linda Pewley then tweeted a photo on Monday taken from outside the tunnel. She said Arboretum and Clane's Safer Neighbourhood team were patrolling the archway behind and to the side of Suffolk Drive due to concerns. Mr Watson who has lived on the street for six years, claims he was woken up last Wednesday morning as youths set a motorbike alight before escaping down the tunnel. Earlier this month, a thief was caught on Mr Watson's CCTV stealing his wheelie bins, before also making off into the tunnel, he said. St Stephen's Ward City Councillors Gareth Jones and Neil, Neil Lawrenson have voiced support for Mr Watson. A cricketing legend has been granted the freedom of the city 50 years on from a scandal that changed sporting and political history. Basil D'Oliveira, whose exclusion from the England cricket team ahead of a tour of South Africa in 1968 sparked outrage will now have his name inscribed on the Honorary Freeman panel in the Guildhall in Worcester. He was posthumously awarded the honour after a unanimous vote by city councillors at a meeting in the Guildhall on Tuesday, July 17th. The honour, the highest that Worcester City Council can bestow, was proposed by the Mayor of Worcester, Councillor Jabba Riaz. 
Basil's son, Sean D'Oliveira, who was at the meeting, said, It's a massive honour. It's the highest honour the council can give to somebody, so I'm just very, very pleased. I was quite taken aback by the way it was all presented and touched by how many councillors spoke and all the nice things they had to say. From a family point of view, it is a massive, massive honour. I've spoken with all the family and they're absolutely over the moon. I'm not exactly sure what freedom of the city will mean. Maybe it means we can walk sheep down the high street. <coughs> Councillor Rears called on the City Council to give Mr D'Oliveira the freedom of the city in recognition of the significance of the D'Oliveira affair in turning international opinion against the apartheid regime in South Africa, leading to significant changes in South African sport and society. Councillor Andy Roberts, who also played a key part in getting Mr D'Oliveira recognised, said it was an honour to see the motion. Councillor Stuart Denley-Maxwell said Mr D'Oliveira was a great man and said it was very touching to be part of the meeting. Basil was a hero, he said. The Freedom Certificate will be presented to the D'Oliveira family at a civic reception in September. Born in South Africa, Mr D'Oliveira moved to England in 1960 and settled in the city in 1964. He played for Worcestershire between 1964 and 1980 and represented England in 44 tests. In 1968, the England team was due to play in South Africa, but Mr D'Oliveira was left out because of South Africa's apartheid rules preventing black or mixed-race players from competing against white players. Following national outrage, Mr D'Oliveira was called up to the England squad, but South Africa cancelled the tour. The affair led to a dramatic turn in international opinion against the South African regime and is credited as being a landmark on the road to the eventual fall of apartheid in the early 1990s. Mr D'Oliveira has become only the fourth recipient of the honour in the last decade, following Cecil Duckworth in 2008, former Mayor of Worcester, Mike Leyland, and members of the Queen's Royal Hussars Regiment in 2014. A reverend said she is not angry at whoever stole £56,000 worth of silverware from her church and has reminded her congregation we need to remember we are a community. The sacred items were taken from St Andrew's Church, Droitwich, on June the 26th and while a detective says he knows who committed the crime, the silver is yet to be found. Reverend Laura Handy said, It makes people feel vulnerable, older people particularly. It's like their house, and it's unnerving when something so close to home like this happens. It reminds us that some people have gone on a direction in life which has led them down a path we probably don't want to follow in. But we don't want to lock doors, quite the opposite. We want people to be able to find a place of community in the church, no matter what they've done. Detective Constable Thomas Court, who has been investigating the burglary, told the Worcester News, a man who is currently in 
HMP Huell has admitted to the crime. He said the prisoner told him and colleagues where he had hidden it to, but after executing a search warrant, they found the items had been moved. Reverend Handy said some of the silverware was made more than 200 years ago, specifically for the church, and is used in communion services. However, her team runs for four runs four Anglican churches in Droitwich, and so temporary replacements have been borrowed for some of the items. It's not quite like having your best china taken and having to use plates from Ikea, but it's not far off, she joked. She said the silverware was locked away in a cupboard in the church vestry, with the padlock having been broken off. They've opened all the boxes and taken anything that was made of silver, she explained. The Reverend continued, The church is open every day. There's constant traffic. And it isn't unusual for lots of people to be in there at any one time having a quiet moment. It's not unusual for strangers to pop in and be looking around. She said while most churches have a separate vestry, often behind a big locked wooden door, St Andrew's is completely open plan, with just curtains separating it. Churches by their very nature are in some ways vulnerable, as we want to keep them open, and it doesn't take much guessing that there are valuable items in them. We had school children in here last week, and I had some coming up to me saying their great-grandmother was baptised here or their mum got married here. Having been part of the church for three years, she said, I've quickly realised that the Droitwich churches very much belong to the town. They're not ours. This has left them slightly wounded, she added. A special opportunity is offered to under-18-year-olds to be the Mayor's companion for a, for a day. The Mayor of Worcester, Councillor Jabba Riaz, is giving the chance for youngsters in the city who have a recognised medical condition to accompany him on his official duties for a day. The Mayor is hoping to recruit an official companion for one day per month throughout his mayoral year, which ends in May 2019. Last month, 17-year-old Jessica Burden, who has Asperger's syndrome, accompanied the Mayor one Saturday. She attended five engagements in Worcester, including the official opening of Henry Sandon Hall in the heart of the restored Royal Porcelain Works. It was a fascinating experience for both of us, as we caught a small glimpse of each other's lives, said the Mayor. Jessica certainly helped to keep me on track during the day. She likes a strict regimented schedule, and as we had a lot of engagements to attend in a short time, that really helped. On the 18th of August, the Mayor will be joined for the day by local teenager Claire Brunt. Claire went to Manor Park and Regency High Schools in Worcester before training with her current employer under the Premier in Whitebread. Whitebread is in brackets. The Premier in Whitebread scheme to integrate disabled young adults into their hotel business. 
She now lives in supported accommodation in St John's. Claire's mother, Susan Brunt, says, Claire has been given the opportunity to live a full life and to make a contribution to the community in which she lives. We feel that her accompanying the Mayor will be an acknowledgement of how Worcester has helped and supported her. We hope that Claire will be an inspiration to others with similar challenges. Anyone under the age of 18 who lives in Worcester has a recognised medical condition and has received support from a recognised charity can apply to be the Mayor of Worcester's companion for a day. Full parental consent must be given. All applications will be considered carefully and in all cases the need for support or parental assistance will be fully discussed. Anyone who is interested should contact the Mayor's office at Civic Office Worcester Gov UK or call on 01905 722 001. Joe Leach says he is slowly coming to terms with being sidelined with his first major injury since becoming a professional cricketer and that a successful Worcestershire side in his absence will ease the frustration. The Worcestershire County Cricket Club captain will miss the remainder of the season with a stress fracture off the back. Leach has been the county's talisman with the ball in the Specsavers County Championship with a total of 193 wickets from 2015 to 2017 and another 23 in five games this season. Now the 27-year-old is having to get used to the mental challenge of spending several months on the sidelines, but it is one he is dealing with. Leach said, What is my timetable? In the short term, not a lot. I couldn't do much for the remainder of, the season, for the remainder of June after the setback, and from the early part of July it will be about just hopefully step up rehab. It's quite a long, arduous process. Now back to bowling again. It possibly could be October, November, but it wouldn't be until the new year now because it's pointless getting ready for an off-season. Is it a mental challenge? It has been already, to be honest, especially with missing a home semi-final in the Royal London One Day Cup, being the first game I missed. Now it is about slowly getting my head around not playing. We are getting there with that. It's going to be a long time. It's going to be frustrating for periods. I know that. As long as the lads are doing well, I'm sure that will be a nice tonic. Will I go to the away games? We will see. Obviously, I'm going to have to focus on my own rehab as well as the the side, and that's going to be here in Worcester. I think it will probably be difficult to go away, but for the home games, certainly, I'll be around. Leach has barely, has barely missed a match in any competition since breaking into the side five years ago. He said, I can honestly say I have not had an injury since becoming a professional, since I've been about 11 to be honest. It is really frustrating from the mental side of things. I've not had any experience of it, so to miss so much cricket is tough. But I have to look at it as having had four, five, six years now where I've not missed a game. Certainly in the first team, it's been a good four, four and a half years since I missed a game. I have to count my blessings regarding that, and part of the professional sport has been injured. 
The only person who can sort it out is yourself, and I'm there already with it. It's just frustration. It is nothing more than that. Worcestershire take on Yorkshire in the T20 Blast 2018 at New Road tomorrow. That's um, last Sunday from 1pm. Worcestershire Rapids suffered their first setback in this season's Vitality Blast as they went down by 12 runs to Yorkshire Vikings at Black Finch New Road. Rapids surrendered the last remaining unbeaten record in the competition after reeling off four successive wins. They still head the North Group, but Yorkshire's third win in four matches means they have joined Lancashire Lightning and Notts Outlaws on six points, just two behind Rapids. <clears throat> Yorkshire batted consistently after being put in with Adam Lyth, Harry Brook, Gary Balance and Jonathan Tattersall, all making useful contributions in steering them to 179 for seven. Rapids never recovered from losing opener Martin Guptill for a second ball duck and despite some late hitting from Ross Whiteley, they closed on 167 for eight. Skip, skipper Stephen Patterson and Tim <coughs> Bresnan picked up three wickets apiece for Vikings. Vikings were given a flying start by Lath after being put into bat, and the left-hander set the tone with three boundaries in the opening over from Dylan Pennington. The former England opener deposited Pat Brown over cover for six and raced to 35 out of 41 off 21 balls. Brown had his revenge when Lyth holed out to Whiteley at deep square leg. <clears throat> Tom Kohler Cadmore, making his first appearance at New Road since moving to Yorkshire from Worcestershire midway through last season, scored only five before being yorked by Pennington. Balance looked in good touch and struck four sixes, including two in an over from rapid skipper Brett Oliveira in his 40 from 21 balls. Travis Head brought about his downfall as Balance went for one big hit too many and Darrell Mitchell held on to the skier at deep mid-wicket. <coughs> Mitchell then made an impact with the ball in the next over <coughs> as Brook, 33, flicked him straight to Joe Clark at short fine leg at 118 for four in the 13th over. Seema Luke Wood returned to the attack to have Jack leaning for 11, caught at long on. Brown, 3 for 34, ended his spell with two wickets in two balls. Vikings keeper Tattersall, 29, fell at deep mid-wicket after Mitchell parried the ball back inside the boundary for Guptill to complete the catch and Bresnan, for 6, was trapped LBW. When Rapids began their reply, Bresnan struck in his first over as Guptill went for an expansive drive and was caught behind. Clark smashed the ex-England paceman over deep mid-wicket for six, but perished to the next delivery after making 17, with Patterson accepting the chance at mid-off. Wickets continued to fall regularly as Rapids slipped behind the required scoring rate. Mitchell, too, clipped Patterson behind square and fell victim to a smart catch from Bresnan, while Ben Cox, 12, was held at long off in Azim Rafiq's first over. Head, 23, became the first success for Vikings debutant 
Jordan Thompson, who deceived him with a slower ball, and balance made no mistake at deep mid-wicket. Bresnan claimed Dolivera as his third victim. Much depended on Whiteley, but after making 37, he carved Patterson off on the, on the offside and leaning took a fine low catch. Patterson dismissed Wood for his third success of the innings as Rapids were unable to conjure up the necessary runs. The worst atrocity on European soil since the Second World War was solemnly remembered with an event at Worcester's, the- Worcester's Guild Hall. Remembering Srebrenica commemorated the anniversary of the killing in July 1995 of more than 8,000 Muslim Bosniaks, mainly men and boys, in and around the town of Srebrenica during the Bosnian War. The event featured an exhibition about the massacre, music performances and and readings of poems. Earlier this year, Mayor Jabariaz visited Srebrenica as part of a delegation which included community workers from Worcester. At Saturday's event, Councillor Riaz spoke of the need to resist the rhetoric of hatred, which acts as a fuel for such atrocities in accordance with the theme for his mayoral year, Love, Not Hate. He said, Genocide is the antithesis of courage, and said it arose when people could no longer see the humanity in three in those who used to be their friends and neighbours. He also spoke of other stories, such as a village where the Serbs and Muslims stood by each other and refused to go to war. Remembering Srebrenica is dedicated to a vision of a society free from hatred, and works to achieve this goal by organising commemoration events, taking people on educational visits to learn lessons from survivors of the genocide, and creating community champions who pledge to stand up to hatred and intolerance in their communities. A ban on single-use plastic, a weekend skip service, and an extended leisure centre bus run were discussed at a full council meeting, city council meeting, on Tuesday. Councillor Neil Lawrenson, who represents St Stephen's, is putting forward the motion to make Worcester City Council single-use plastic-free by the end of October this year. If accepted, the council would would phase out bottles, cups, cutlery, straws and champion reusable alternatives. The City Council would also encourage visitors, local businesses and other local public agencies to do the same. Meanwhile, a Saturday skip service for residents in Gorse Hill will be suggested would be, would be suggested by the recently elected councillor Mohammed Altaf. He says the community in Gorse Hill is one of the most economically deprived in the city, but does not have regular access to the skip service like Warnden and Wrongswood does. Councillor Altaf hopes in, to introduce a fortnightly service, 
which will allow residents without a car to throw away large household waste as quickly as possible. Councillor Lynn Denham, who represents Cathedral Ward, is calling on the council to open discussions with LMS Travel to extend its 39 bus service to allow more residents to use Perdiswell Leisure Centre. The bus company, which operates the service from Crown Great Bus Station via Blackpole and Lower Wick, ends at 6pm on weekdays and does not run on Sundays. The council is also ex- was also expected to approve £1.7 million uh, for the demolition of the swimming pool and leisure centre in Sansom Walk. Water has been gushing out of the hive at an estimated rate of 3,500 litres per hour for weeks, a houseboat owner has claimed. Robert Houseman is on a tour of Britain's waterways with his partner and noticed the leak above the towpath off Croft Road, Worcester, after moving up last week. However, the hive says the leakage is due to a breakage between two pipes and it is river water which the library uses for its cooling systems. It said that the leak would be fixed this week. Mr Houseman has measured the amount of water using a bucket. He believes it is coming from an air vent and says locals claim it has been leaking for almost a month. He said, these days, with all the talk of water shortages, it seems awfully lax. But this is something which has been going on for weeks and weeks. The water is gushing out onto the towpath. People have been putting down mats, so they walk through it without getting wet. I'm just a visitor, but you, as ratepayers, 1,000 gallons an hour is being completely wasted. It must have been here for weeks because of the sheer amount of green slime, but nobody seems bothered. Mr Houseman from Newbury said he contacted Severn Trent last week and engineers determined the water is not sewage as it does not contain ammonia. He said they then established it was from an overflow coming from the holding tank in the bank above the towpath, but it is not their asset. A spokesman for Severn Trent confirmed engineers had found the water was from a private drain and told Mr Houseman to contact the council. It was then found to be coming from a pipe near the hive. The hive said the river water has been allowed to flow back into the river via the overflow, as is the design of the system. Therefore, the water leaking is neither processed nor contaminated and poses absolutely no, th- no risk to the environment. The spokesman said due to the leak being in a confined space, specialist equipment is needed. A pensioner has thanked the Worcester News for helping to solve a dispute over his blocked driveway. <coughs> Ted Pratt, aged 72, of Brookside Road, near Dines Green, who has a garage plot behind his house which he uses to park a small lorry, was fed up after developer Jessup Brothers blocked his driveway access for a second time. He discovered his driveway was blocked again on Friday, July the 13th, with orange barriers covering a large hole. Following a call from the Worcester News to Jessup Brothers' head office, the issue was resolved almost immediately and the firm removed the barriers. He also thanked the developer's general manager, Peter Butler, for helping to resolve the issue quickly. Mr Pratt said, I'd like to thank Peter Butler for dealing with it.
It was amazing how quickly it was sorted. I'm not a nasty man. I only do what I have to do. They promised me they would contact me and give me warning in the future. <clears throat> I would also like to thank the Worcester News for getting involved with the issue and rectifying it more quickly than I could have by myself. He previously appeared in the Worcester News last October as the developer had fenced up the driveway, blocking access to his lorry after it had begun work building 38 homes in nearby Ambrose Close. We reported how Mr Pratt said developer Jessup Brothers and landowner Kevin O'Reilly apologised to him and that following that article, the fencing was removed. A new dessert parlour has opened in Worcester and is set to create 15 jobs. Delightful Desserts is home to more than 40 different flavours of ice cream. The cafe has seating for about 40 people and also offers takeaways. Home deliveries are set to start in a few months. All food, which includes waffles, crepes, cookie doughs, coffees and milkshakes, is freshly made on site at the parlour in College Street. Owner of the city branch, Sanita Madhas, said, We are delighted to be serving the people of Worcester. If we haven't got your favourite flavour of gelato, then it doesn't exist. Sunny Mancuna, a spokesman from Delightful Desserts head office, added, Delightful Desserts is already a well-known brand within the Midlands. It is a warm, cosy place to come and catch up with friends over an indulgent treat. Delightful Desserts is excited to add this store to the portfolio and truly believes it will be a great success. The parlour is fully licensed and serves a large range of cocktails, beer, cider and alcoholic-drenched desserts, including the brand's famous chocolate brownie Bailey's Sunday and candy floss martini, served with real candy floss. For those looking for a healthy alternative, the parlour also sells fruit platters. The cafe will also host afternoon teas, baby showers, hen parties and kids' birthdays. The dessert chain already has 15 outlets in the country, with many of these, these located in the Midlands. Delightful desserts opened its doors on Friday, July the 13th. Recruitment for part-time and full-time positions is still underway. Decisions on charges for some memorial services at Worcester Crematorium has not yet been made, as councillors clashed over whether they should be free or not. During the City Council's Income Generation Subcommittee, councillors discussed a handful of new services, including video tributes and slideshows, introduced after a music system upgrade, but two in particular caused some co contention. A charge of £60 for a, for a professional tribute of 25 photos set to music and a £15 charge for families who supply their own video tributes have already been introduced at Worcester Crematorium, services that were previously free. Councillor Joe Hodges felt, that, felt uncomfortable charging people for a service that had been previously free. 
She said it will be that bereaved people who have had access to this service will now have to pay for it. It is something I am not happy to be charging for when we have already provided this service and didn't charge for it. I understand that this particular service needs to be paid for, but I think it would be wrong to introduce the charges when, um, when it's no extra charge to use. Councillor Roger Knight disagreed. We are charging less than the recommended retail price, he said. I think a charge should be made. People should be charged for something that is an extra. The investment in new technology and upgraded software has influenced the decision to charge for the two previously free services. Councillor Hodges said, We are dealing with people during a very vulnerable time and I don't think it is right. It is no extra cost to the council each time those two services are used. Purchasing the software is the only cost. Councillor James Stanley said, I take Councillor Hodges' point that we are dealing with people during probably the worst period in their lives. However, I also see the logic in only doing what other authorities are doing. If we don't accept it now, it will, it will still need to be addressed in the future. Councillor Pat Agar, chairman of the committee, said, clearly, clearly there are concerns over the two services. It is going to be a sensitive issue. Some of the public might feel we are profiting from it. What I'm seeing is that the cost needs to be recovered in the right place. <coughs> New steps leading to Cripplegate Park have been installed. Work on the steps where the flower bed used to be is now finished and creates a straight walk from the traffic lights near Worcester Bridge to the park. A Worcester City Council spokesman said the new steps are designed to create a clearer, more welcoming and attractive entrance to this beautiful park. They fit in with the surrounding area better and also create a view of the Glover's Needle where, when you reach the traffic lights. There is still more work to be done. Handrails will be installed in coming weeks and there will be new flower beds on either side of the steps which will be planted later in the year. This is a joint project between Worcester City Council and Worcestershire County Council and is closely associated with the work to raise the level of the new road. But I will warn listeners that um, they are shallow steps about a brick in height <coughs> and... Um, really are not very uh, disabled or wheelchair friendly I'm afraid which seems to me a missed opportunity sorry personal opinions a tenant has hit out at a housing association for charging him too much rent for 11 months Emmanuel Thomas aged 25 said he had lost more than £1,000 as a result of the blunder Fortis Living has apologised to him and put £1,062.84 into his rent account to cover future payments as a refund. However, Mr Thomas is concerned that other people might be in the same position he was in and has called on the association to carry out a review. He said, I'm worried 
as if they have done it to me, how many other people could be paying too much rent that they don't know how to complain? They need to review all their rents they have recently let at affordable properties to make sure it's not happening to others. I earn okay money, but have to work overtime after work and weekends to afford this rent. If I was paying the right rent, I wouldn't have to work at the weekend to put food on the table. I would have had a f better quality of life. Mr Thomas of Kiln Crescent said he was told by Fortis Living that he would pay £87 per week before he moved into his property. However, when he moved into the property in August last year, his rent rose to £111. He claims he phoned the Housing Association two weeks afterwards to find out why the figure had changed. The resident said he continued to complain to Fortis Living until he finally received an email confirming that he had been paying too much rent. Mr Thomas now wants Fortis Living to offer him compensation. He believes he may have to repay housing benefit as he might not have been entitled to it given the reduced rent. A Fortis Living spokesman said affordable rent properties are charged at 80% of the private rental market value. So the rent charged may vary depending on when the tenancy started and what the property rental value was at the time. In this case, we have reviewed our rent assessment, which has lowered the weekly amount. We apologise to Mr Thomas for any inconvenience and would be happy to discuss the possibility of compensation. Counter protesters plan to gather in the city to oppose a far-right rally over the proposed construction of a £3 million mosque in Worcester. 76 people have signed up to attend the counter-demonstration on, on Facebook and another 226 have registered an interest in joining them. The English Defence League, the EDL, intends to hold a protest in the city centre over plans to build a new mosque in Stanley Road. West Mercia Police anticipate that both of the demonstrations taking place on Saturday will be peaceful. Laura Lane, who has organised the counter-protest, said, This should bring people closer together. We are not going to be confrontational at all. If you don't stand up to people and ignore things that are going on, then hate continues to grow. I want to spread positivity to counterbalance the negativity of the EDL and show support for the community. Ms Lane, who is from Kidderminster but often visits Worcester, said she supports plan to build a bigger mosque in the city. The 26-year-old student who, who studies fine art at the University of Gloucestershire plans to hand out copies of a famous poem about Nazi persecution called First They Came to members of the public during the protest. Superintendent Damien Pettit, police commander for South Worcestershire, said he was aware of discussions about a possible protest in response to the EDL coming to Worcester. He said, 
At this time, we are anticipating peaceful events and would encourage people to Worcester, in Worcester sorry, to go about their business as usual on Saturday. We are talking to all groups and parties involved, as well as our partner agencies, to ensure a proportionate and appropriate response in place and to facilitate peaceful events and prevent any crime and disorder. We will be monitoring the events and will have sufficient resources in place to respond if any criminal behaviour occurs. Worcester Trades Union Council said it was appalled that the EDL intended to spread politics of hate on the streets of the city. <clears throat> now here is an event actually um, on Thursday, July 26th, and it's at the Tudor House Museum. Uh, which is welcoming the acclaimed Malvern Choir One Accord uh, later this month <clears throat> as part of their fundraising campaign to raise money for the restoration of their rare embossed Tudor ceiling. Choir member John Beale is a long-standing volunteer at Tudor House and was driven to hold the fundraiser when he learned of the project early this year. <clears throat> Architecture like this is so rare, he said. I've never seen anything like it in Worcester before, and it's deserving of a full restoration. The talented choir will perform songs from West End hits, such as The Lion King, My Fair Lady, Cats, Chicago and South Pacific, as well as a medley of hit songs from the likes of Bob Dylan, Irving Berlin, Scott Joplin and The Carpenters, promising an unforgettable trip down musical memory lane. So, it's on Thursday, July 26th at Tudor House Museum. It will include a buffet supper and a musical quiz. Tickets are priced at £12 and to book, contact the office on 01905 612 309 or via manager at tudorhouse.org.uk. <clears throat> and that brings us to the end of this week's general news. So, first of all, I have the obituaries. Um, we'll have the thought for the day, and Judith will open the birthday book to finish. So, uh, this these funerals will have already taken place. <clears throat> Jean Margaret Chaffee, née Edwards, passed away on the fourth of July. Funeral service at St. has been will have been at uh, St Peter's Church in Droitwich on uh, today actually the 19th uh, donations if desired to the British Heart Foundation inquiries to George Crump and Son 01905 also taken place will have been at the funeral of Mary Brown of Hilton Road who passed away on June the 19th the funeral service was at Clains Church on Friday July 20th Donations, if desired, for hearing dogs for the deaf can be sent to EJ Gumry and Son, uh, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. Also, Trevor Andrews, who passed away June 24th. His service was on July 20th. Donations for action for pulmonary fibrosis can also be sent to EJ Gumry and Son. Also on the 20th will have been the funeral of Henry Narman Thompson, who passed away on June the 20th. 
His funeral was on the 20th at St John in Bedwardine. Um, donations for the work of the Rondo School and Community in Tanzania um, can be sent to AV Band 41 St Nicholas Street, Worcester, WR11 UW. Also on the 20th, Margaret Elizabeth Wells, who passed away on July the 3rd. Um, donations for St Richard's Hospice or Parkinson's UK. Um, it can be sent to George Crump and Son, uh, 32 to 33 Hanbury Road, Droitwich, uh, WR98PW. Funerals still to take place. Phyllis Diana Di Ring, R-I-N-G-E, who passed away June 21st. Her funeral service is on Monday, July the 23rd at St Nicholas Church, Droitwich Spa at 10.30am. Family flowers only, inquiries to George Crump, details as before. Anne-Marie Williams passed away July the 10th. Funeral service at St George's Roman Catholic Church in Worcester on Tuesday, July 24th at 2.30pm, followed by cremation at Worcester Crematorium. Donations for the Willows Stroke Rehabilitation Unit at Evesham Community Hospital can be placed on collection plate or sent to Cooperative Funeral Care, 17 Lowesmore, Worcester, WR12RS. Shirley Wellborn, Nay Atkinson, formerly Hill, passed away July the 4th. Funeral service at St Philip and St James Church Hollow on Wednesday, July 25th at 12 noon, followed by interment in the churchyard. Flowers may be sent to care of Bedwardine Funeral Services, 30 Bromyard Road, Worcester, telephone 01905 748811. Gordon Mardell passed away June the 30th. Funeral service on Wednesday, July 25th at Worcester Crematorium at 2.30pm. Inquiries to George Crump and Son details as before. June Mary Peak passed away July the 8th. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday, July 25th at 10.45am. Donations, if desired, for dementia care may be left on the collection plate or sent to EJ Gummery and Son. Details as before. Our thoughts and prayers go to all of those who have lost loved ones recently. The thought for the day from Keir Aldis is taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. In that day you will say, Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done, and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. And to conclude, we'll have the birthday book open, please. Right, yes, so um, just one birthday this week on the 22nd of July. And it is Kim Chamberlain's birthday, yes. so we birthday, wish Kim. Kim a happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> yep. well done. Yes. Lovely day. 
and so actually I think we'll round up uh, this week's recording by thanking our engineer Duncan Wynn, readers Judith Doherty, Audrey Luxton and he's disappeared, bless him, Mark McLeod who's actually leaving the area also. So it just remains for me, Elizabeth Hill, to sign off and hope you all have a very good week. And to remind you also about our event on July the 28th, Saturday, in the Commandery and here at Colin Chance House between 2.30 and 4.30. And we do hope you'll come down and say hello and see us. There are refreshments and there's music and displays. And um, if you have family members who want to come and sit round the table in the reading room here in the studio and <clears throat> have a go, you're very welcome. So we do hope to see you. Okay, so Saturday week, 28th of July, the Commandery in Worcester. See you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.